Broken for Fabregas. Now it's Iniesta. This is it. That's the goal. Hello and welcome to the Total Football Podcast, World Cup 2018 coverage in Russia. It's day 13, I'm Declan Hart, and last night's drama was fantastic, and today's drama was just as good. Oh, um, I suppose I should start with uh, Group C. Uh, what more needs to be said about France, and France playing Denmark, other than France played Denmark, I guess? Did they, did they actually play, is the question I pose. Yesterday on the Daily Diary, I said that's probably going to be the first 0-0 the tournament. It was. Uh, I think that's all that really needs to be said about that. I was right. Uh, that, yeah, that's that's pretty much all that needs to be said. Peru, Australia. Peru, probably one of the more unlucky teams in this competition. Up there with probably Iran and Morocco. Like, three teams that played quite well. Uh, the Australian manager... Or what, no, actually, it was uh, Age Haraida. The Danish manager, I think, was asked about Peru after the France match, and he said that they were probably the, uh, the team that played the best football in the group, and it's hard to kind of disagree with that, but they just lacked goals. And, well, they didn't lack goals against Australia, but by the time they played Australia, it was too late. And who knows, if they had scored that penalty against Denmark, things could have been completely different. But there are a lot of moments like that at this World Cup, and that's, some, that's not going to be the one we remember in 20, 30 years' time, I think. Hard luck for Peru. Fans were fantastic. They've built a, a pretty good side. You'd, you'd hope that they come back in four years, because... They really brought something to this competition, just atmosphere-wise. Like they were incredible. It was always fun to watch their matches, just because the noise going on, the the way the team was backed, and and you know the team lived up to those expectations on the pitch. They just couldn't score a goal. They played so well, but they just lacked that final touch. Uh, with France and Denmark through in the next round, seven points for France, five points for uh, Denmark, and Denmark will be playing Croatia. In the last 16. Croatia knocking out Iceland 2-1 victors. Ivan Perisic with the winner. And uh, you know Croatia in the group of death getting 9 points. It's an incredibly solid uh, thing that they've done. Very impressive. They tend to always look better in the group stages in the knockout rounds. But Denmark are a side that you would want to play in the knockout rounds I think for Croatia. Like when you consider Argentina. I'll get on Argentina. But when you consider the options, Croatia could have been it could have been a lot worse for them, and uh, I think they deserve a match like Denmark, where where they will be the favourites. But then that is also their problem that when they are the favourites, they tend to buckle under that pressure. I wonder will Ivan Perisic die the checkered, uh, red, white, and blue of the Croatian flag into the side of his head again, or did he realise that that was a massive mistake and completely embarrassing when they lost? Against Portugal in your 2016. You know, I hope he does. Just, you know, for the commitment to the bit kind of thing. Uh, Poor, it's poor uh, luck for Iceland. You know, again, not quite like Peru. More like Australia. That they were better than expected. They got a very good result in one of their matches. But they were poor in the other matches. And rightly so that they're not going through this competition it is a fairy tale for sure and it's sad to see a fairy tale end but for the good of the competition i think it is best that they don't go through because they're just not the best one of the best two sides in that group and it's a difficult group but i think if you put them into other if you swap them in with another a similarly seated team in one of the other groups like say serbia in group e i don't think they get out of that 
Uh, trying to think of other seeded teams from that pot that they were. I think they were in pot four again. You put them in with the. It's so difficult because following the rules is difficult in this one basically because I have to swap them when the European team is very the only European team they can swap them with. Unless you put them in Group H, but again, swap them with Japan or Senegal. I don't know who was seeded fourth, but they won't get out of that group no matter who you swap them with. Unless maybe you swap them with Colombia, but. You know, as I said, fairy tale, sad to see it end, but, you know, they've had a very good run. They've had a very good run. They'll be proud of themselves. And again, another one of those kind of flashpoint moments of what happens if Gilfie Sigurdsson scores that penalty against Nigeria. Maybe things play out differently. Maybe they, it's a bit of a stretch to say maybe they go on and get an equaliser and, yeah, I don't think it changes things. I don't think that's one of those defining moments for a team. I think that's just one of those moments. If they miss that penalty at the start of the match and it's nil nil, and sure, well, it's two nil at that point. I think that was. I think they were gone at that point, and when they couldn't beat Croatia, like that's just curtains. But then the true drama: why the World Cup is so special? Why the World Cup is one of the greatest, if not the greatest, sporting event ever? The forty-five minutes of that second half were better than any television drama. Better than anything you could watch on TV like the finale of Westworld was on this week and the 45 minutes of that second half was so much better than Westworld and I enjoyed Westworld it's not a knock on that show it's not a knock on any TV show but the World Cup is the greatest drama in in the world it like Argentina like they start off pretty brightly uh, Nigeria set up to just basically defend they're happy with their nil-nil they will take a nil-nil but Aver Benega is such a difference maker in that first half. They they're so much better with him. The the team ticks so much better, and it's the, the proof is in the pudding then because it's Benega that sets up Lionel Messi, who scores one of the goals of the tournament. Like it's honest, the touch he takes to bring it down with his thigh, the touch he takes to bring it away from the defender and set it up nicely for himself, and then the shot with his weak foot, like. He's messy, so how weak really is that foot? But it is his weak foot. He, he doesn't prefer the right foot at all. He much prefers the left. That's such a good strike. Like, say what you will about the young keeper. He's only 19. He's the second goalkeeper, second youngest goalkeeper in World Cup history. Like, there's a 45-year-old goalkeeper playing for Egypt. Like, he's this is the complete opposite end of that. He's absolutely no experience. Maybe a more experienced goalkeeper gets something on it, but I think the power of the shot brings it past the keeper more than anything. And the placement was perfect. It was it was such a superb goal. And then from that point on, I kind of thought that Argentina were controlling the game pretty well. That the defense was shaky. That they could have a mistake in them, but I thought they'd hold out. I thought maybe they'd get a second at the start of the second half. But then I, I was totally wrong. Nigeria came out swinging in that second half. They got an early penalty. Var uh, Var wasn't really in use. I don't think. I think. The referee, whose name I always butcher, so I won't bother saying, other than he's the Turkish guy that you always see ref Real Madrid in the Champions League. I think he gets the decision right. I think it is a penalty. I don't know. I can't remember if he used VAR. He certainly used VAR for the handball decision, and it is very much what I was saying yesterday in, in the Daily Diary about the Portugal-Iran matches. The tension that was it was it was so palpable. Like I, I was sitting at a table watching that match on an iPad. And it was a case of uh, thirty seconds passing by, and it go it could go either it could have gone either way. Like I didn't think it was a penalty, but I could have like I wouldn't have been surprised if the referee had given it as a penalty. Like the it was Marcus Rojo ha- or headed the ball down onto his hand, which was outstretched. 
it's in a natural position because explain to me how a hand is in an unnatural position position it unless it's like dismembered from your body and then it's like there's the 30 seconds there where the referee is considering he's probably talking to the bar or maybe his assistant referee he's considering it he's considering it and then he's like no i need to just see this again and then he's watching it. He actually makes a really quick decision. And then he like has a second look. He like walks away from the screen and then walks back. Uh, at that point, I thought, oh, he's giving it really quickly. I thought he was going to give him a penalty. And then when he doesn't give the penalty, that switch, that reverse in what's going on in my head is just fantastic. It's fantastic television. It's fantastic drama. And then from there, it sets up. I think there was 15 minutes left after that. And then Marcus Rojo, almost a villain at one end, the hero at the other. Who would have predicted that Marcus Rojo scores the goal that saves Argentina's World Cup? And, like, no messing about. Like, that saves their World Cup. Without that goal, they are out. And you could say, oh, there's like, four minutes left. Maybe they get a second chance if he misses. But, like, the cross in from Mercado is a pretty good cross. But what Marcus Rojo is doing up there, I'm not entirely sure. It kind of reminds me, and this might be a bit niche, for non-Irish listeners, but it reminds me when uh, Ireland were in qualifying for the Euros in 2016, they are playing Germany, I guess to the 91st minute, and uh, Ireland are 1-0 down, and a cross comes in, and John O'Shea gets on the, on the end of it, and it wasn't a corner or anything, it was just play had naturally gone, such that Ireland had won the ball, and they got further forward, or they got forward with the ball, and a cross came in, and for some reason John O'Shea is just in there, I was like, what? what is Marcus Rojo doing there? And then, like, John O'Shea's finish was... Not nearly as impressive as Marcus Rojo. Marcus Rojo, take a bow, son. What, what a first-time hit. What an amazing goal. Like Both goals were absolutely superb. A Messi's goal is better just because the, it's, it's just the build-up to it. The pass is incredible. The way it just takes out like five or six players from the game. It just goes over the top. Kills everyone out of the game, basically. And then the touch for Messi to bring it down. And the composure. Like Obviously, Messi is the most composed man in football. One of the two most composed men in football, and he, but still the composure and that pressure, like it's one of the biggest moments of Messi's career to score that goal, especially if it finishes one 0 But even if it does finish, even if it has finished two one, it's still a massive moment. It's a defining moment. And the further Argentina go in this World Cup, the more defining that goal gets. And the same goes for Marcus Rojo, who, like besides the penalty he almost gave away, like he almost could have given away. A goal just from sloppy defending and I think he's probably not the worst uh, culprit there at, in Argentina's defence like Argentina's defence is so shaky uh, credit to the goalkeeper Armani he was much better than Caballero looked a, mo- a lot more uh, sure of himself he was more confident and like there were a couple of incidents there where you think like another goalkeeper like Caballero could have buckled under that pressure and could have conceded a goal very sloppily uh, there was a as composed as Argentina were, Nigeria as well lacked composure, especially Odin Gallo. Like I do feel for Nigeria in the same way that I feel for Iceland. I think no matter who got disappointed tonight, everyone would have been disappointed for them. Like I said, after Argentina lost Croatia, the tournament probably wouldn't miss them. But I think that cha- this match changed my mind. I think Argentina, like the real puzzle is why they didn't play like like play, and I don't mean play like this well because I don't think they played that much better than they did in the first match, particularly. But I think, where was, why why was Benega not on the side? Why is Higuain not starting? I know Higuain misses the sitter, but he just brings more of the team than Aguero, even if Aguero was the better finisher. He's the more likely to get that goal in a clutch moment. I think Higuain is more of a team player than Aguero is. And when you already have Messi, 
You don't need a focal point like Aguero. You need someone who can contribute to the team like Higuain. But then, like, what does Duval have to do to get it to the side? I think Pavan was the right substitution. I think even Aguero was probably the right substitution, but he still could have probably brought on Dybala. I think Angel Di Maria, after the equalizer was poor, probably could have taken him off for uh, for Dybala, but maybe that makes the side a little unbalanced. But I think when you're searching for a winner, it doesn't matter about balance. It matters about how many people can you get on, on the pitch that could score a goal. It was an absolutely incredible match. It, it is what the World Cup was about. And we're still only in the group stages. We still have four more matches. Or, well, eight more matches to get through. Eight before the knockout rounds even start. And, like, the reward for Argentina to get through this battle, because this was a battle, is France. And you know what? I think that's actually the first... Yeah, that is the first last 16 match, as far as I know. Or maybe it's the second. But it's on, the, it's on Saturday. It is... That's... That's only a few days away. That match is going to be like that to, to introduce the knockout rounds, France, Argentina. That is that is the big bucks right there. Like FIFA is probably loving this. Although Nigeria would have shown up in great numbers as well. They have a fantastic support, but the support from Argentina similarly has been fantastic. They were absolutely the support from both sets of teams was fantastic today. And like whoever lost, you would have felt bad for them. And then except for maybe Maradona for Argentina <laughs> lost, there was. He's a strange man there, Diego Maradona. Uh, that's what I'll say about him. I won't go any further. But yeah, this is the perfect setup for the last 16 now. France, Argentina, that, like, it's good to get into the big matches thick and fast. Like, there are consequences to this now. Like, Argentina could afford to slip up against Iceland. They could afford to slip up against Croatia. But against France, any slip up, they will not be afforded it. <laughs> France, I, I don't particularly rate how France have played but they like the build up going into this match on Saturday it will very much be the case of Argentina have been a basket case France you know previous years have been a complete basket case it's been the complete opposite of that this year they've they've gone by the quietest of any of the big teams seven points never really been impressive but never really needed to be that impressive either like they got through pretty comfortably Peru gave them a bit of a scare Australia gave them a bit of a scare but the quality that they do have in that squad kind of outshone the negative negativity of how they played. That is going to be incredible. It, I, yeah, that's that's all I can say right now. Uh, and of course, uh, Andrew and I will be back again to preview the all of the last sixteen matches once we know them. But that is the one that mark on your calendar. Get ready for it because that is going to be massive. And that's pretty much all I have to say today. Day. Day 13, it is oh, two days in a row, absolutely incredible matches happening simultaneously. The afternoon matches have been a bit disappointing, but I think it's a good setup. Get gets you in the mood to watch the football for, for the big matches in the evening. Although having said that, tomorrow we have Brazil-Serbia at 3 o'clock, and then we have whatever is going to happen in Group F at 7 o'clock. Uh, like, much, much like Group D today... Anyone can go through in Group F. Anyone can get knocked out. Mexico on six points can get knocked out. South Korea on zero points could go through. It is an absolutely absurd situation. I think both like both matches at 7 o'clock today were worth watching, but I, I kind of took my eye off Iceland, Croatia, and all the focus went to Argentina and Nigeria. Whereas tomorrow, I think you're going to need to watch both matches. If you... 
If you can't, if you haven't been able to watch both matches at the same time, try and set up a way to watch them for tomorrow evening because it's all to play for in that group. And then with Brazil, Serbia, you're expecting it like the ex- expectation is that Switzerland will beat Costa Rica. They'll go through with that result. It'll be somewhat comfortable. And then it's all on Brazil, Serbia. And I'd expect Brazil to get through. Serbia have to win, which I think is a difficult task because it's Brazil. If it was, if they just hung on against Switzerland, they wouldn't need to win, and things would look a lot different. But I think Serbia have blown it. I think Brazil are going to go through. Whether they win or not is another thing. And if they don't win, it's going to be very interesting because then the winner of Group F is playing Brazil, and that's not a nice reward for winning your group. But that's going to do it today uh, for day thirteen. We are in day 14 tomorrow, and day 14 will hopefully live up to uh, the events of day 12, days 12 and 13, because it has been an incredible round, third round. We had our first nil-nil, but it doesn't even matter. France and Denmark might disappoint, but we can always rely on Argentina to give us some excitement. Uh, and if you have any predictions for the last 16, uh, the way it's been setting up, or if you have any thoughts on... Uh, any of the matches from the last few days or your thoughts on VAR don't be afraid to email us at the tfpod at gmail.com uh, follow us on Instagram at Pod or on Twitter at the tfpod uh, tell family and friends about the show you know we, we want to be a part of everybody's World Cup coverage because it truly is a special event and uh, as we always say here the more the merrier and uh, if you know this is your first episode don't forget to subscribe you know so you can catch up with every episode and get each new episode uh, as it arrives and uh Rate the show as well on Podcast Provider of Choice because it really helps. And uh, that just leads me to say thank you for listening and I will be back again tomorrow.